What's up, mom and dad? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Raising Competitors podcast, your weekly show brought to you by Compete Every Day to help you have conversations and invest in your young athlete's success on the field, in school, and in life. Today's a fun episode as I get to welcome a fellow speaker and performance coach, Bobby Oddly. If you've heard Bobby's name before, it's probably because you've heard his TEDx talks on 50 cups of coffee, or he was challenged to have a cup of coffee in conversation every week all year long. Today's conversation with Bobby is around building trust, the importance of vulnerability and leadership, and ways that we can continue to invest in our athletes, our locker rooms, and our families by asking questions encouraging the importance of trust and how we can build those in our relationships. And before we jump into this week's episode, I just want to thank you incredibly for listening to the show. I know we put out one to two episodes every month uh, here at Raising Competitors, but it means a ton that you continue to listen to the show, support the show, and more importantly, are invested in your child's success. So know how much that means to me, how much that means to the Compete Everyday team here, that you continue to support us in this new arena, as I personally just look to learn more and more about the youth sports space, parenting, uh, and leading more effectively for that when the time comes later down the road that I have my own child in youth sports, and I'm able to hopefully encourage and equip them in a healthy and effective manner. As always, to get in touch with the show, you can email me, podcast at competeeveryday.com. To check out past episodes and some of our amazing guests that have been on over the last year, visit raisingcompetitors.com. And as always, to support the show, you can do one of two things. Either share this awesome conversation today I have with Bobby Oddly with someone you know. Maybe it's a parent of another athlete on your child's team. Maybe it's a coworker uh, or someone in your life that's involved in parenting and youth sports. Just send them a link to this episode. Let them know you think they would enjoy it. Help introduce raising competitors to more people. Or the other way is to grab something at competeeveryday.com, which helps support us as well. Uh, my newest book is out, Compete Every Day, The Not-So-Secret Secret to Winning Your Work and Life. And despite the title talking about work and life, it is a fantastic read for young athletes. We've had a number of coaches uh, for teams 13 years and up grabbing this book and multiple copies of the book for their team. So check it out. In the book, I dive into the seven choices that leaders make on a consistent basis to excel in, we could say, school sports and life because the same things work. The importance of outworking your talent doing your best every day, being intentional about the type of friends that you hang out with in life, all the lessons that our athletes need, and honestly, all the lessons we still need as adults sometimes too. So check that out, competeeveryday.com. If you want to learn more about the book and get a free sample preview of it, you can go to book.competeeveryday.com. But now, let's jump on the show. Let's welcome Bobby Oddly and talk leadership, vulnerability, and building trust. Bobby, welcome to the Raising Competitors podcast. How are you doing today? I'm awesome, Jake. Thanks for having me. Excited to have this conversation. Yeah, I had a, a lot of fun. We connected. I was a, a guest on your show, which was just a ton of fun to sit and have that conversation. Uh, man, I was enriched. But as we were talking about certain things, youth sports came up. 
uh, parenting came up. You and I, as we were discussing just a second ago, uh, both work in the space around sports, leadership, youth sports, uh, but neither one of us have kiddos yet. So it's an interesting dynamic for us to be able to learn and, and help share a lot of this information with our listeners and our parents today that are always looking for ways just to help pour into their kids. Before we dive into some of your work specifically, tell us a little bit about what you do today and kind of the backstory of how you got to this point. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, you know, my, my uh, self-given title for the work I do today is uh, leadership and team development facilitator. And I have been doing this work for almost 10 years. And um, when I first started, it, it's taken a lot of different forms. So I was a college athlete who was cut from my college lacrosse team, not for anything devious, but because they were a three-time national championship program that had a lot of players coming to try out. I think we had 125 guys trying out for a 55-man roster my freshman year. And uh, it's a Salisbury University Division III lacrosse program. And so I had the experience really early on of being a – um, what they call like an athlete after sport, right? After your sport's gone and now you figure out what you're passionate about. And I had that experience in college. And what I came to discover is that I'm, what I loved about being an athlete and what I wanted out of uh, an afterlife of coaching was a focus on personal development, leadership development, team building, team dynamics, all that stuff. And so I actually coached for a year. I coached lacrosse at a community college and found that I didn't really love coaching. I didn't love recruiting. I wasn't as invested as I was as a player. I remember we'd lose some close games and like, I hate to say it, but I didn't really care because I remember being like, I'm not on the field and it wasn't my fault. Like I wasn't <laughs> in a way responsibility, but that's just how I felt. As was a that a shock to you kind the of the first time of like being with the team, kind of being in that perspective but suddenly the score in the game ends, the score is what it is. And you're like, this feels very different. Like I, that was a huge shock. Yeah. I think cause I was such a, I often will tell the story that um, I remember as a kid, maybe I was in high school. I think yeah, I was in high school at this time. Um, and we were playing an indoor lacrosse winter game, just purely off season against West Genesee, which in the Syracuse area is a perennial program. And I had, I think like six goals, three assists, because it was an indoor, like just some like winter league game. And we lost by a goal. And I came home and I didn't talk the whole ride at home. I'm sitting at the kitchen table, not talking. And my dad and her mom were just like, hey, like, are you okay? And I just start crying at the table because I was so pissed. Like, that's how invested I was as a kid playing. And so then I remember... I don't remember who we were playing, but I remember as a coach, we lost a game. We, we should not have won, but we ended up losing by one in overtime. So it was one of those, like, it would have been a really big victory. Yep. And I remember we're in the huddle, and my head coach, who still coaches to this day because he's passionate, um, was just, just crushed. And the players are crushed. And I remember being disappointed the guys didn't win, but just the sense of, it wasn't the same as when I was a player and why I wanted to coach was chase that feeling of, of competitiveness I had as a player. So it wasn't the same. Um, so yeah, yeah. I remember the shock. Do you remember, do you think, I, I want to ask you about that just because there's a lot of people that always think they want to make that transition. God, like, oh, I still want to be around yeah. the game and, and coach. And I, I did for a while myself. Do you think it was the competitive side of influencing the game you miss more or the camaraderie within the locker room that you miss more? 
100% the latter. It was the camaraderie within the locker room. And I think I didn't realize that until, um, you know, I gravitated towards, uh, you know, so after coaching, your question is great. It, it leads itself to kind of how I got to what I do today, because when I decided coaching wasn't what I wanted to do, my day job, because coaching at the community college was making about $1,000 a year. And uh, and so it, literally, that was my <laughs> stipend. That's, that's and, usually uh, the college starting pay. That's kind of where you're sitting. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think it was 1100 oh, um, <laughs> But uh my day job was working at that same college running their leadership programming and I loved that and so I ended up gravitating towards that and eventually quit that job to do my own leadership development company full-time and just continuing to chase what I'm passionate about um, started working with athletic programs doing team development and team building and that's when I came to realize what you just asked is that what I loved about sports my experience is always team sports was that that team process was that team unity and i've talked to a lot of really successful coaches and athletes you know who have said that some of their best seasons were not always their winningest seasons i i know a guy rob taylor i've interviewed on my podcast who has literally worked with super bowl champions and world series champions and ncaa national champions and he'll say the best teams he's ever been a part of are, are not those teams. Not that that's inherently bad, but it's not inherently the reason you love the game. And I work with a team right now that I'm a part of that last season was two and 14. And, and they are, they, they love each other. They, the, the, they love being a part of the team. As soon as COVID-19 happened and shutdown happened, they were the first team I work with to text their coach and say, don't worry about us. We got this. We're going to keep practice going uh, in an unofficial way. And so all these things that we love about sports, I honestly have very little to do with winning and losing. Um, winning is definitely a part of it. I have those, that group of two and 14, they want to win. Uh, they're not accepting that fate. It's just that I think we put so much on that. And for me, I found in my own coaching experience, now what I do today, um, there's so many other intangibles that that's why we love sport um, beyond that. I'm curious from your perspective, us kind of being in similar spaces sometimes uh, and doing some similar work, how you personally have recreated some of that, not necessarily locker room camaraderie, but team within your career, because you're able to go and work, like you said, with teams, but you're still kind of that outsider to that team. But you probably have some people you work with directly that you try to recreate at least those relationships that it's probably not the same as it is in sports, but it's incredibly important to your career and life. Yeah. No, I, it, for me, it's been in being intentional about how invested I am in that team. And I love being invested in the team and I'll, I'll be the first to say from a business perspective, um, you know, I'm not exactly billing all my hours um, because I, I love the work I do. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk about Delaware soccer because they're a coaching staff that I've been vocal about that. When I started working with them from a business perspective, I said, we charge you for training that we're going to do. We do a, a, a one day training and then there's a blow up workshop and then we charge for additional follow up workshops and, and maybe some zooms and that kind of thing. But if you are, your players want to call me, if your players want to text me, if I come to a game, uh, if I come to a practice, I'm not charging you for that. I'm not a lawyer and nothing against lawyers but like that, that bills hourly. Yep. Like I am invested in your team and, and from a, 
you know, uh, pure kind of time perspective. Uh, so the Delaware soccer coach recently asked me, he goes, do you do this with all the teams you work with? Because I just don't see how that shakes out. And I said, well, yes, no, I would love to. And not every coach is as responsive to that. There are some coaches that use, use me or our organization as a resource. And, and I, I don't say no. I don't push back. It's, you know what, I, I am here because I am invested in your season. And there's other teams who I come into my training and I never hear from them again. And, and early in my career, I used to look at that as, well, maybe I didn't do a good job. And then later on down the road, I hear those coaches would be giving me ref like literally some of those coaches were the ones who gave us references and said, you got to work with these guys. And, and so clearly they enjoyed the work, but the relationship wasn't what they were looking for. So it's, it's very organic for me. It's, it's the teams that, that connect because I, you're right. I, I want that. Like I, will travel three hours to watch a game because I want to watch the game. Um, and that helps with the relationship. And that's why I'm in the right business because I actually want to go do that thing. Yeah. And it's fascinating to me as you're talking about that, seeing different organizations and companies and groups that have created that kind of team atmosphere, similar to sports, you're, you're all striving maybe for separate goals, but there's a shared vision of, of getting your message out or doing this type of work that people kind of rally behind. Uh, David Burkus, mm -hmm. a fellow speaker, has a book called Pick a Fight, the audio book that came out. And it's all around the corporate idea of companies should pick battles and people can get behind these certain battles and fights and rally cries. And so, you, you know, sharing that piece of it. One of the things that you hit home a few times with that I want to bring attention to our listeners is the importance of intentionality in relationships, the, the big piece of that. And I think that ties into the 50 Cups Challenge and your mm -hmm. TEDx talk. Tell us a little bit about the inspiration about that, what it is. And obviously, it's the name of your podcast. Uh, so you're continuing to go forward with intentionally investing in relationships and conversation. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I will give complete credit to my wife for recognizing that the 50 Cups of Coffee Challenge was a thing. Um, for me, it's always been about, I, I am a connector. I love connecting with people. I love conversations. I learn the most from my relationships. Um, and so a lot of things have kind of, you know, it's easy to say I've been intentional in my career, but the reality is I just continue to gravitate towards what I'm passionate about and what I see work. So going back to how development became such a powerful thing for me is teams, whether they're athletic or corporate, that have deep invested relationships are more effective. The science points to it. Harvard Business Review did an entire study on what makes teams effective, and they came out with six uh, bullet points, if you want to call them that. And, and all of them had to do with relationships, treating teammates and coworkers as friends. That doesn't mean you have to be friends, but you treat each other as friends. You have respect for each other. You have empathy for each other. You have kindness and grace. All these things that sound overly simplified, and they are the difference maker for effective teams, athletic or not. And so for me, my way of ensuring that I'm continuing to develop my relationships has always been to be very intentional about sitting down for one-on-one -on -one conversations. I love one-on-one -on -one conversations. I love just talking for the sake of connecting, not for the sake of trying to get something out of you, but just to learn more about you and your story. Um, on my podcast, Jake, we got into your story. And I said, what I love about it is it's easy to look at your LinkedIn profile or your resume or your social media accounts and assume 
it's been an easy road or a perfectly intentional road. And more often than not, almost all the time, that's not the case. Yep. So ever since, I would say since 2014, I've been really intentional about sitting down with people for coffee. And I originally, you know, there's 52 weeks in a year. And so my idea was let's do one a week. And I was challenged in 2016, I was invited to do a TEDx talk. And this was actually my second TEDx talk. I had, I'd been really aggressive about the first one. Like I wanted to do a TEDx talk. I, I finally got one and, and I did it on why you shouldn't do your best. This concept of playing full out and just giving it your all. I felt like this was my talk. And, and literally a month later, uh, before this talk even came out, so this had nothing to do with my first talk. A month later, I get an email from a former client that said, we're hosting a TEDx talk on campus. We'd like you to speak. And, uh, um, and so I remember saying to my wife, I was like, I already gave my TED talk. Like, what, what do I do? And she was very much like, no, you didn't. Like, you did this thing you wanted to do. But she's like, you, what you really need to talk about is your, your, your cups of coffee challenge. Because it was just my own. And um, so I don't know why I gave it a round number. I turned it into 50. But, uh, but I turned it into the Well, you know, it makes challenge. up for the week of Thanksgiving and Christmas when, you know. You exactly. Do. I wanted to give people a break. That's right. <laughs> and and, uh, and so it's, it's that concept of sitting down and grabbing coffee or going for a run or connecting with uh, 50 people in a year. It's not always new people. Right. It does. It can be. I've this. Is, I've seen a lot of people that have done this with their parents, with their kids, uh, with their grandparents, and they've learned a tremendous amount with your colleagues, uh, with a teammate. I had a college basketball team I worked with that the captain was didn't have a good relationship with one of the players in particular, and I said, "You got 15 guys on the team. Do this with all 15, so you're not singling out this one. But sit down and go for a workout, go for a run. You name it. We'll come to find out this one particular player has a two-year-old kid, and no one knew that on the team. Captain says, "How did we not know that?" And the guy's like, "When does this come up?" And uh, and and I share that not to say that you give this kid excuses for not being invested in basketball, but the captain said to me, you know, it just seems like basketball is not the most important thing to him because that captain is a senior in college who nothing is more important to him than basketball. Nothing, literally nothing. And then you've got this friend of yours who's raising a child and the mother of the child, they're not together, but they're raising the child together. They're committed to this kid. He's a first generation college student. So graduating is very important to him. So when you talk to him for, 30 minutes, you realize basketball is not very important to them. And that's okay. That doesn't mean we give them an excuse, but we give them grace. So this, you know, challenge for me has opened up a lot of just, you know, even right now, my podcast is 50 cups of coffee and it's sitting down with primarily coaches and people involved in sport because that's my world and others just to talk about leadership, their lives, their worlds. That's what you and I connected over. And right now with everything that's happening in our world, um, you know, I have found that my empathy, my uh, beliefs come from my relationships. And so it's encouraging people to develop deeper relationships. And that's really what it's all about for me, whether it's 50 cups or sports or you name it, it's developing deeper relationships. Yeah, I love that. What, what do you see as, I would say, currently the biggest challenges for people to develop deeper relationships? Do you think it's a uh, our busyness, our distractions. Do you, do you think it's, uh, you know, social media and the idea that we're, we're living in a false reality sometimes? Where do you continually bump up with a specific obstacle 
uh, in your, in your, I guess, quest to help people build better relationships? I think the biggest thing holding us back from deeper relationships is vulnerability and the ability to be vulnerable, the ability to not have the answers, the ability to say the wrong thing. Um, you know, uh, I've been doing my podcast as of this week and last week, my interviews have been focused on race in this country. And I've been interviewing uh, friends of mine who are uh, black men have been the folks I've been interviewing. I'd love to interview more, and, and, but that's just right now my circle. And I find myself uh, uh, nervous about the questions I ask. And these are friends I've had for years. And I'm, I'm now encouraged to ask deeper, better questions. And there's been two occasions where individuals have pushed back on me and said, I don't appreciate the language you're using with that. And this is the language you should use. And I immediately want to get defensive. And I don't because I've done the work to say, you know what, defensiveness is not the answer here. They're not mad at me. Uh, they, they, they are challenging the way I think about something. And that's the purpose of a relationship. And even, you know, on, a, on a, a lighter level than that, when I introduce this concept in the workplace, you know, sports teams tend to gravitate towards it. When I introduce this concept in the workplace, I get people that'll say, I don't want to be friends with my coworkers. Like I'm here to do a job, come to work and leave. And I'm, I always say, I'm not here to convince you otherwise. I am here to encourage you and nudge you to say, what's your fear? What's your pushback? Do you not want people to get to know you? Do you not want to scratch the surface? Do you have things in your life that, you're, that you think people will judge you for? Um, and all those things are absolutely true. Uh, and so I think the biggest thing is trusting people, uh, willing to be vulnerable, uh, a confidence where you don't get defensive if someone challenges your worldview, because all those things are, that's, I mean, you know, I laugh when I uh, uh, first, my wife and I we were still dating out of college and we moved into an apartment complex together and I was blown away. There was probably eight apartments in this one building and I was blown away how nobody looks in the eye, nobody talks to you, everyone just kind of like, I knew no one in this complex. And there was this author, Leo Viscalia, who years ago said, you know, we'll drive 30 minutes across town to, to sit down and talk with a friend, yet we don't know the name of the person who lives next door. And that just rocked me. I thought, how do I not know these people? And my sister who's older than me. She goes, you don't know why they don't want to get to know you. And I said, no, I don't. Why don't people want to get to know me? And she said, because if they don't like you, they're stuck with you. And, and if you're, if you, you know, if you're, if, if you're a neighbor, they don't like you. Now they're stuck with you. Whereas if they just like, they don't want to run that risk. So they'd rather yep. just not get to know you. And I think that it sounds simple and maybe trivial. And I find just that, that fear, that vulnerability, that lack of trust of people I don't know is the biggest thing that prevents people from, from sitting down for a cup of coffee to simply connect. Yeah, it's interesting you said that about, you know, the neighbors. And I'd never considered that before, of uh, that fear of like, oh, if I don't like them or they're a jerk or whatever, I'm stuck with them. But we don't ever look at the benefits of like, what if they aren't? Like, then yeah. we've got somebody right there that we can call on, that we get to know, that we deepen that relationship with. And it reminds me of so many different just pursuits we have in life. We always look at the worst case. We base all of our decisions on this versus like, look at the upside. Like there's mm -hmm. really not as big of a risk failure that you think it is of like, Hey, getting to know someone, you don't like them. Cool. You still see them, you wave, you keep going about your business, but the upside is so much greater. And it goes back to that vulnerability, but just the courage to lean into that discomfort and fear which is so incredibly important uh, to do that. What in are my, some what, my TEDx talk? In my TEDx talk, I quoted 
Transformers. Um, Love it. Because I thought this was the best. <laughs> it was, um, is it fear or courage that compels you? And I think that's just such a beautiful line. And, and you're 100% right. Are you, are you making a decision based out of the fear of what could happen? Or are you making a decision based on what the courage of what could possibly happen? Um, because it's a 50-50. Um, and it's not a 50-50 if you do your homework and you, and you learn read up about people and you get a sense of them. But if we're going to make it simple, it's a 50-50. And you're right, most people, and all, in, ge in general, you know, make a decision based on uh, the fear versus the courage. Well, and, and the one thing that I just appreciate with given the current time is the fight that you had internally not to jump and be defensive, but to be open to conversation and to have certain perspectives challenged and have that conversation because right now and, and really anytime, I mean, Twitter's the best and the worst place in the world sometimes, but everybody kind of screams at each other. And I laughed with a friend the other day who has a very different worldview of me and, or than I do. And we grabbed lunch and we were chatting about things and we were talking about kind of some of these struggles that a lot of people have to sit down and have a cup of coffee and a conversation. And he said, yeah, he said, man, I, I just don't understand some of it sometime. Like I want you to hold me to the point that I, if I am not open to hearing a different opinion. Like I want you to challenge me. Like I should be open to having a conversation about with someone about something different. I'm not going to, I may not change my mind on it, but I have to be open to having that conversation. And I laughed. I said, man, from a, a spiritual perspective, cause I, I was raised uh, very much in a faith-based Christian home. I, I laughed that the guy on the street corner with the sign telling everyone they're going to hell probably is batting a 0%. Uh, whereas the guy who's like, Hey, let's get a cup of coffee. Let's what's going on in your life. How can I help you? How can I serve you? Like, just sit down let me talk and get to know you. That guy's probably batting a heck of a lot better in terms of building relationships and helping people. And so it's that need to be vulnerable. It's that need to, to connect with people. And I think a lot of times we're just too scared and we end up selling ourselves and our lives short because we don't take our relationships deep enough. Uh, to truly experience mm -hmm. community and relationship. And, and man, that's something you don't want to get to the end of your life and think, man, I played on the surface in all areas of relationships uh, because you just miss out experiences and memories. One of the things I'm curious to ask yeah. you, and I think I know what you're going to answer, but when you're talking to your teams and players, how are you encouraging them or maybe posing the questions on how they can explore being more vulnerable? Because you can't, we can't just be like, hey, you need to be more vulnerable. But how are you kind of peeling back so that maybe right. the parents listening, the coaches listening, have some new ideas of at least how to initiate a conversation with them? So when I work with uh, specifically athletes, um, I always define um, what I call confidence and connection. Our goal, you know, our three C's are confidence, connection, and culture. And when I talk about confidence, I say it's it's the question of do you trust yourself, and 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 especially with athletes, you know I always say I, I typically work with elite programs not because I'm so great but because elite programs are looking for help and open to it. When I first started working with athletes, I I reached out to everybody and got nothing, and I finally was like, you know what, I'm gonna go for like the top 10% because if I can get those coaches, it'll open so many other doors. And these coaches all said yes, and I was blown away. But then I realized it's like, oh, they're they're the ones seeking help. And so I, I find these athletes that trust themselves really you know, implicitly. And so then I said, the connection piece is, do you trust your team? And I worked with a lot of athletes who say, I trust myself. And no, I don't trust my teammates. 
because, you know, I know that they uh, roll their eyes at me when I speak up. I know that they snicker when I have an idea. I know that, you know, a lot of very specific examples are, um, you know, as a rookie coming onto a team, you're looking to take somebody else's spot. And so there's a certain coalescing of the group to say, we're not going to let that happen. So apparently the rookie who's already got their own anxieties and nervousness coming in now has to fight this, their peers in terms of getting on the field. Um, I ended up, you know, after I got cut, I transferred to play a year of, of Division II lacrosse and then transferred back and never played after that. But um, uh, I came in, and, and my, so I missed fall ball, ended up playing ahead of guys that were there for fall ball, and I was, and I was a freshman. And so I experienced that kind of ostracizing from the team because you're getting on the field, which is what you're supposed to do. And, but I get it. And so I, I bring this up to say I talk quite a bit about the kinds of confidence and connection and getting, getting the trust of teammates and the support of teammates because that's why we're not admirable, because we don't trust that. But right now, a lot of people are not thinking up about how they feel about the, the state of errors, whether it's coronavirus or it's race, no matter what side you're on, we're afraid we're not going to be accepted and heard. We're afraid we're going to be shot down. We're afraid people are going to get angry at us. And as us, we see our community, we don't speak up. And so it, the goal is to say, it's not looking on the individual and saying, you be more vulnerable. It's looking on the group and saying, create an environment that allows this person to be vulnerable. A tool we use a lot is public speaking. Number one fear for most people is public speaking. Why? Uh, because you're, you're getting up in front of a group of people and you are assuming their judgments of you. Yep. And, and if all their faces are just neutral, then you're assuming a negative judgment. And so I will facilitate what it's like to be what's known as a raving fan. How do I create an environment that allows you to show up to give a speech? And I've seen uh, uh, individuals that are incredibly introverted and hate public speaking. And even after my training, still hate public speaking. And in the training itself, get to a point of giving like a really, I say, speak with enthusiasm, with confidence, with power, with presence. I'm not trying to make people better public speakers. I'm I'm trying to get you to take risk in front of your teammates and when you do that again maybe you never give a speech again I don't care but you're allowing yourself to open up out of your comfort zone in front of people that you hopefully trust and when you open up and they catch you they support you they love you then that trust continues and it has to continue it doesn't end after a day of team building that trust has to be reinforced so the more you know, people learn to trust you the more they open up. That's why with coaches, I say when you meet with your players, you've got to share a little of you. You can't sit down with your player and say, tell me about you and your story and your life and coming to this school and what makes you nervous. Ask all the right questions, but you never let yourself in. Because then I have plenty of players that'll say, ah, coach is a robot. They only care about, you know, soccer or basketball or whatever. And if the players never get to know you, then they're going to be hesitant to open up and share their real selves. Um, so it's, it's kind of that self-fulfilling prophecy. How do you create more vulnerability? You open up, you be vulnerable, and you allow, you create trust with the group so that the individual can be vulnerable. I love that. And, and for those listening, one, if you haven't yet, yeah, Bobby, uh, John Gordon did an interview recently with Mac Brown, uh, University of North Carolina football coach, won a title at, at Texas. And he talked about a handful of these things about when they got to North Carolina and how they had to build trust with the players and just the importance of getting to know those guys, which we've talked about and on the when I was on your show and, and coaches have echoed yeah. about getting to guys' hearts before you get to their heads. But found Mac interesting because the guys wanted Mac to dance. And he was like, I'll do it after we if if you guys beat South Carolina. 
and he had kind of forgotten about it. And they beat South Carolina. And his wife grabbed him after the game, and she said, you have to dance. He's like, oh, they, they didn't remember that. And she's like, no, you, have, you told those guys. And Max said, you're right. He said, they have to know if we tell them we're going to do something, that we're going to do something. We have to continue yes. to build that trust. And so he danced, and it was on ESPN. And, uh, but it was a fantastic conversation on, on building trust and in in how he's approached. And it echoes so many of the things that you've said here that – our parents listening, our coaches listening can run with like building that trust, mm -hmm. uh, but revealing yourself, like even on the, the parenting side, having those conversations of like, not don't do this, don't do that. But like, here's what I happened when I was a kid. Here's why I'm encouraging you not to do this. Here's what like sharing more of your story helps make you more human, which helps make yeah. you better connected to them. No, I think it's true. I think, you know, you and I started the show by saying we're not parents yet. So, so let's make sure, you know, so yeah. I'll make that, that note before I share this next thing. But, um, you know, especially when we think of youth sports and parenting, uh, this is a, a, a not direct example. I think it, it fits. Um, I was just talking about this the other day when I was at, I was working at Hartford Community College. I was running the leadership and orientation office. I was coaching lacrosse and I wanted to quit my job to invest myself full-time into this business that I'm doing now. And that was back in 2014. And I was pretty convinced I was doing it. I was ready to go. Um, and, and I, uh, but I called my dad just to say, Hey, you know, here's what I'm thinking of doing. What do you think I should do? You know, reaching out to my father for mentorship. Yep. And my dad paused and he said, you know, I've never done what you're about to do. I've never a worked in higher education. I've never quit a job to start a business. I've never done a, a team development leadership company. Like he's going down the list and he goes, so I'm not the one you should be asking. Like you should go seek somebody else's guidance. And I remember that was one of the first times I, I like my dad was like, that's vulnerability to yeah. be like, I don't have your answer. And, and he since said, he said to me, he, I think he said, he goes, it's probably the first time I've said that to you. I'm going to say it a lot more <laughs> as you go through life, because you're going to be doing things that I've never done before. And that always really stuck with me. It has stuck with me. And I think to your point there, I mean, just the vulnerability uh, as a parent to, to, to look at your kids and say, I'm here for you. I'll talk with you. I'll, I'll, I'll go through this with you. And I don't have all the answers. Um, is really, I have found tremendously important in my life and tremendously important in the lives. When I'm working with athletes, of course, the parents are, are in their head. If you're a parent and you don't think your small voice is in your athlete's head, you're naive. It is in their head when they're training, when they're working, when they're thinking about everything that they do. Um, and so that's just, it's an it's a interesting thing to think about with your kids. I love it. I love it. Bobby, this has been a ton of fun, incredibly insightful. One, thank you for taking the time to share, but really helping our listeners learn more about the importance of trust and vulnerability and just ways to continue building it in their home and in their locker rooms. Where can we find out more information about your work, the work you do with teams in life, and especially your podcast? Awesome. Yeah. My, uh, so I'm on social media at Bobby Audley, Instagram is where I put most of my content and, and 
stuff, uh, a little bit on Twitter and Facebook. And then my podcast is 50 Cups of Coffee with Bobby Audley. And it's on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio. I think it's all, all of them. And, um, and then artwork and team building, I work with the Pinot Training Group, which was me and, and a guy named Ryan Pinot. It's the two of us. And uh, so our website is pinotraininggroup.com. P-E-N-N-E-A-U, traininggroup.com is the best way to connect. Awesome, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show this week. Thanks for having me. Thanks again, mom and dad, for tuning in to another episode of the Raising Competitors podcast brought to you by Compete Every Day. To find more episodes from past shows, visit podcast.competeeveryday.com. To find articles and blog posts and content around new sports and parenting, please visit blog.competeeveryday.com. And as always, until we see you again next episode, keep competing for your family, your future, and your best life.